0: And if you have your Bibles this morning, and I trust that you do, if you can open with me to the Gospel of John chapter 6. The Gospel of John chapter 6, and welcome to week 16 of our journey through the Gospel of John. A a journey that leads us to belief, whether it's to belief to, for the first time, to believe in Jesus for salvation, to be born again, or if we're saved to keep believing in Him, to keep having our hearts and minds encouraged by what we see, what we come to. And let me lay the foundation for this week, this today's message this way. So, have you ever been on a road trip? Yeah. So, most of us at one time or another have. Growing up, the Strickland family, we went on many road trips, but we never flew anywhere. Um, to be honest, flying somewhere never crossed my mind at all like like ever you know we drove everywhere you know rich people flew pastors families we drove it's kind of the the way it it worked and we we drove to north carolina we drove to tennessee we drove to indianapolis for the southern baptist convention drove again to st louis for the southern baptist convention one year my mom's whole family rented a tour bus where 70 of us rode to Colorado Um, so we we drove we we rode that's kind of what we we did and I still consider myself young no comments Kenny Um, but I grew up in an age where we didn't have DVD players we didn't have iPads we didn't have Nintendo switches we didn't have cell phones and what I'm going to say is especially going to shock our younger people in the next service but We had to actually find ways to entertain ourselves. You know, we had to entertain ourselves. Me and my sister would have to entertain ourselves because 10 minutes into a road trip, mom was already asleep. So we had to find ways to not get in trouble and not have dad say, don't make me pull this car over. So, of course, we would do the car tag game, and I don't mean that me and my sister would play tag, but we would Find tags that would pass us from the 50 different states and whoever got that first. We would also play the the alphabet game. We would look for uh, billboards that begin with letter A. You have letter A in a word and B and C, so on and so forth. Eventually, we would then go on to I Spy, but there's only so many times you can say I Spy something green, that tree, yes, um, before you have to move on. Eventually, we would come to the Quiet Game, and of course, the Quiet Game would almost always be broken by that infamous four-word question that either I or my sister would ask my dad. Anybody want to take a guess what that question was? Are we there yet? You know, are we there? And while, while a lot of, of travel luxuries for kids have evolved, I think of youth camp this year, I drove um, the boys, I had nine boys in the van And to be honest with you, for the first four hours, they slept, and then the rest of the time, it was this. And they, with their headphones in, and didn't hear a peep from them. And in one standpoint, that's kind of nice. In another standpoint, I was like, they just don't get it. Like, I want to take all the phones away and let them kind of go through what we had um, to go through. But even that, with all that they have, there's still a desire to know when we will be there, wherever there is. Are we there yet? And I'm even willing to bet that there's been times in all of our lives that we've even asked that question of God. God, I'm not where I want to be. God, I'm not where I thought I would be. How did I even get here? Are we there yet? God, I never thought I'd be dealing with this struggle. God, I never thought I'd get that diagnosis. God, I never thought I would have to endure this pain, and I never thought it would last for this long God are we there yet God I thought I'd be further in a relationship I thought I'd be further in my career by now I thought I'd be further in in schooling God are we there yet God I'm trying to raise a family and I thought it would be way easier and way more rewarding than it sometimes feels God are we there yet God I said till death do us part but it seems like I thought there'd be way more for betters than for worses. Are we there yet? Or God, I've been following you for years and I expected more. Are you there? Do you hear me? I'm doing everything I know to do, God. Are we there yet? And before we dive into the word this morning, I just want to take you into my heart and my mind for each one of you today. And every one of us in this room has specific challenges. We all have specific needs, things that we are walking through, whether it be in your health, whether it be in your family, whether it be in your relationship, your work, your circumstances, just our needs. And just thinking about the needs across this room, some of you really need strength today. You are weak, and maybe you are at the end of your rope some of you need peace you are burdened you are restless you need rest and the peace that only god can give you some of you need wisdom in making decisions that you don't know the answer you don't know what to do but the bible says if we ask god he'll give wisdom to us others of us need comfort in the midst of our pain some of you need healing whether it be physically maybe emotionally maybe even spiritually others of us need joy We just need God to restore to us the joy of our salvation. Others of us need love. Some of you, even in a crowd like this or any crowd, you still feel alone, like nobody understands you and what you're going through. And some of us, if we're honest, we would say all of the above. Like, Micah, everything you just listed, yes, to all of those things. Like, I'm walking through a storm right now 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 maybe you're in here and you're not walking through a storm maybe you've had the best week of your life things couldn't have been any better for you but none of us know what challenges will arise tomorrow none of us know what will happen this week we are all needy yet praise God in this moment we are encountering a God who has no needs our God needs nothing This God knows every need represented in our lives. Get this. He knows every need presently and he knows every future need in your life and my life. And he is about to speak into our lives over the next few moments through a word that touches at the heart of every need that you and I have had or will ever have. What an awesome reality. Let me just go a step further. The the word that that we're going to hear this morning from God has power to speak into the needs that we don't even have yet. That's the power of our God, to speak into needs that you and I don't even know we have. So this morning, we find ourselves coming off the feeding of the 5,000. Now we find ourselves with the disciples in a boat in the midst of a storm. So John chapter 6, I forgot to tell you this, if you can real quick, before you stand up, also flip to Mark chapter 6. We're not going to read that now, but we're going to read it in just a second. Because Mark gives us kind of a different perspective of the same uh, event. So Mark chapter 6, we're going to come to that in just a moment. But if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read John 6, verses 16 through 21 together. And uh, we are going to to see the, the picture that John paints for us. So beginning at verse 16, John says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the Sea of Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Let's pray. Father, today, Lord, as we come to this time, this place, God, many of us are either coming out of a storm. Lord, we're in a storm right now, God, or we are about to enter one and we don't even know it. God, today we pray that through this time in your word that you would speak into our hearts and lives in ways that assure us, God, of your plan, your purposes, God, your love for us, even in the midst of the storm. God, speak into our hearts and lives. Encourage us, God. Help us not to miss this. Lord, you're speaking in the needs that we don't even have yet. Lord, help us not to miss this so that we can be prepared. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. So now what I want to do is I want us to turn over to Mark 6. I just wanted us to read together verses 45 through 52 just to give a different perspective of this event. And we're going to kind of be going back and forth just because Mark provides some details that John doesn't. I think we need to see the whole story here. So in verse 45 of Mark 6, when you get there, let me hear you say, And and Mark says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. Just follow with me here what we just read. Ultimately, for the disciples, this wasn't just a storm for these guys. This was also a test. This was a a trial. So whether you call it a trial, a test, a hardship, or a storm, everyone in this room knows what it is. We know what we're talking about this morning. Everyone here knows what it's like to have the winds of adversity blow against us, and we all know what it's like to have those winds of adversity even blow us off course. Even blow us off course in our faith. We're, we're walking in our faith towards the Lord and then storms come. And before long, we are completely off course. Everybody here knows what it's like to experience the darkness of isolation and the fear that comes along with that darkness just like the disciples experienced here. We all have storms. In the book of James chapter 1, he calls them various or trials of various kinds. Trials of various kinds, meaning that we know that trials come in different shapes and sizes. Some are big, some are small, some are physical, others are emotional, and then some spiritual. Some storms are, or trials are brief, and others are enduring. Almost like they're eternal, like they're not going to go away. And here's what I know this morning, and please hear me. Some people have a misconception about following Jesus. They think that as soon as they follow Jesus, if they do the will of God, there will be less problems, less storms, less trials, less troubles in their life. And in some ways that might be true, at least from the standpoint of what following sin does to us. But in other ways, listen, if you follow Jesus, not only do you get a Savior, you get an enemy, really, for the first time. And that enemy is going to throw everything he can at you, and Jesus is going to lead you himself into storms. So what I want to do this morning, I want to lay before us four truths that we must know and that we must hold on to in the midst of our own storms. The first is this. The first truth is this. Jesus is preeminent over us He is preeminent over us, meaning he has all authority over us, over every circumstance, every situation. As we just read in Mark 6, 45, you see on the screen, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. So do not miss how Mark here chooses to begin the retelling of this event. Mark emphasizes that Jesus made his disciples get into this boat. And he told them that their mission was to cross the Sea of Galilee without him. But here's the question for us. Jesus made them get in a boat. He gave them their mission. But did Jesus know the storm was coming? Of course he did. Of course Jesus knew what was coming in their lives. So Jesus sent them directly into a storm. So the question for us becomes, why would Jesus deliberately send his friends and his followers into a storm and on one hand the opposite was true Jesus was really rescuing them from a greater danger the danger of being swept away um, by the fanatical crowd who wanted to make Jesus their king in John 6:15, we finished last week with the crowd after Jesus feeding them they wanted to make him their king They said, we want this guy to be our king. We we want this guy to lead us out of slavery to Rome. But Jesus would have nothing to do with that. The reality that none of them got, even the disciples up to this point, they didn't get that before Jesus would put on a crown of gold, he had to wear a crown of thorns. Before Jesus would sit on a golden throne, he would hang on a wooden cross. And what we know is this, Jesus, nothing would keep him from his mission. But there was also another reason for the storm. And please hear this, child of God. Storms have a way of bringing us back to reality. Storms have a way of bringing us back to reality. What I mean by that, the disciples had just experienced this thrilling miracle of seeing Jesus take five loaves and two fish and multiply it to feed maybe 15,000 people. Now they had to face a storm and learn to trust the Lord in the dark when his presence wasn't near or didn't seem near. And here's what we know. Sometimes we are caught in the storm because we've disobeyed the Lord. So think of Jonah. Jonah was in a storm because he disobeyed God. But sometimes, sometimes we're in the storm because we obey the Lord. Sometimes we're in the storm because we're in the middle of God's will. Just like these disciples were. They were in the middle of God's will. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do, and yet they are in a storm. Jesus put them in a boat, and Jesus sent them into a storm. And I want to be very clear here. There are definitely times in our lives where the storms come because of our sin and because of our disobedience. So there are times where our sin and our disobedience leads to storms in our lives. But at the same time, there are also times when we face storms not because of disobedience, but because of obedience. When we obey God and we go through storms. Listen, it's all over the Bible, think about joseph who endured much suffering through or from his brothers and much suffering in egypt not because of his disobedience to god but because of his obedience to god think about job and his suffering that he experienced through his obedience to God, through his blamelessness before God, through his fear of God. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who obeyed God, who refused to bow the knee and were thrown into a fiery furnace. Think about Daniel himself who refused not to pray, who obeyed God in seeking God and was thrown into a den of lions. Or think about these same disciples who after Jesus ascended they would still follow in the steps of Jesus and they would be led into great persecution all or, or all 10 of the 11 or 10 of the 11 remaining would die be martyred for their faith. They were following the Lord. They were following doing the things that Jesus called them to do. So when you follow Jesus, hear this, don't be surprised when storms come don't be surprised just because you are painfully making headway and the wind is against you doesn't mean you've deviated from god's path sometimes we know the reason for the storm other times we don't but stay the course of obedience keep trusting in jesus or to put it a different way don't doubt in the dark what god has made abundantly clear in the light let me say it again. Don't doubt in the dark what God has made or God has made abundantly clear in the light. And I'm sure these disciples were wondering the same thing that we would be wondering. Jesus told us to go, there's a storm. Why are we going through this? Or are we there yet? Are we there yet? In fact, it would have been easy for these disciples just to stop rowing altogether and just face the inevitable. Maybe out of sheer instinct to live, they kept rowing. Or maybe just maybe because Jesus told them to go to the other side, they kept rowing. Maybe they kept rowing because Jesus told them and they said, we're not going to stop because Jesus told us to go, so we're going to go. May May we never forget that Jesus knows and is never caught off guard. He is preeminent over us, whether we're on the mountaintop, whether we're in the valley, or whether we're in the storm. Jesus is over us. But that leads us secondly to this. Jesus is praying for us. Don't miss this. In Mark 6, he gives us another picture. It says in verse 46, you see on the screen, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. So here the disciples are being tossed around in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And while they're in the storm out there, Jesus is on the mountainside on his knees and he is praying. What a picture. Get this in your mind. When we walk through storms, we find ourselves praying a lot, right? When we walk through storms, God, please do this. Or God, if it be your will, would you please do this? And we should pray like that. But at the same time, may we never forget that we should stop and realize not only are we praying for us, Jesus is praying for us. He is praying for us. And we're not told what Jesus was praying on this mountainside, but if I were to bet, I would bet that Jesus was praying for his disciples Knowing their hearts, he was praying for their faith to endure. I can see Jesus just praying right down the line of the disciples. Oh, Father, please help Peter because he's probably about to do something stupid. Oh, Father, please be with James and John, those those sons of thunder, because they're probably going to get mad, and in their anger they might sin. Keep them from sinning. Lord, be with Thomas. Because Thomas is lacking faith right now. He's doubting in the midst of this storm and be with him. All down the line, Jesus is praying for his disciples, interceding for them in the midst of their storms, praying for faith. And now I have a question for us. How would we feel if we knew that Jesus was in the next room praying for us? Would it empower us? Would it encourage us? Would it fill us with confidence? I can think of many times in in my ministry where people have come up to me and they have said, Micah, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you in this way. I'm praying for you for this. This is what I'm asking God for you. And in those moments, I have been encouraged. I have been empowered. In fact, sometimes I have felt invincible. When I know that God's people are praying for me, I have felt invincible in that. But just to think, think about it. Jesus is praying for me. He is praying for you. Hebrews 7.25, on the screen you see it. He is able to save to the uttermost, all the way, those who draw near to God through him, since he, meaning Jesus, hear this, he always lives to make intercession for them. You know what that means for us, brothers and sisters? Jesus lives today to pray for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. While his own are down in the sea, being beaten and battered, tortured and tossed by the storms, Jesus is quietly on a mountain praying for them. They don't know it, but they are completely secure. They are, they've never been more secure. Brothers and sisters, we are never more secure than when our Savior is praying for us. May that will, may his will and that be done in our lives. Jesus is praying for us. Number three, Jesus is present with us. He's present with us. Now we come back to John and John's gospel. And what John tells us, I love the words of Elizabeth Elliot. I mentioned her last week, but Elizabeth Elliot said this, The secret to enduring is Christ with me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Hear that again. The secret to enduring is Christ with me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Because guess what we pray for all the time when bad things happen? Jesus, God, get me out of this. And God's saying, I put you in this for a reason so you will learn more about me, but you don't want to learn more about me. You just want to get out of it. But just think about what we do. Think about that's exactly what many of us, many of us, Jesus has answered that prayer. He's taken us out of the storm, but guess what we've missed We don't know him. We don't know him. We don't know what it means to follow him in the storm. We don't know what it means to keep rowing in the storm. Many of us have abandoned ship in the midst of the storm instead of enduring in it and through it. Listen to what verse 19 says. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing when they had rowed about three or four miles. So the Sea of Galilee was eight miles wide. So they were in the middle of it. They saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. Now, according to the Gospel of Mark, do you remember when Mark says that Jesus came to them? What part of the night did Mark say? Mark says the fourth watch. The fourth watch of the night. So why does Mark tell us that? And the reason is Mark wants us to know, even Matthew says it too, they want us to know how long the disciples had been out there. They probably left at sunset, right around sunset when the sun was setting, when it was getting dark, but the night was divided into four watches. The first watch was from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. The second watch was between 9 p.m. and midnight. The third watch was between midnight and 3 a.m., and the fourth watch was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So do you want to know what that means? It means that the disciples had been in the boat, struggling, um, rowing, facing this storm for anywhere from 8 to 12 hours. And now they are probably near exhaustion. They're at the end of their wits. They can go no further. And in the fourth watch, Jesus shows up. He shows up. Now, I'm sure if they could have all voted, they would have all voted to have Jesus come to them in the first watch. How many of you want Jesus in the first watch? All of us. Jesus, go ahead and come and get us out of this. Yet, it was in the darkest part of the night, when their energy was at its lowest and when their despair was at its deepest, that Jesus showed up to them. And it was then that they realized that Jesus had been watching them all along and not for one second was he going to leave them alone. Can I just say that one more time for us that just don't seem to get it? In the darkest part of our night, when our energy is gone, when our despair is at its deepest, Jesus will show up. And when he does, we will understand that he has been watching us all along. He has been praying for us, and he is with us. He's not distant from us. He's right with us. He's with us. And he came to them walking on the water. Now, according to the Old Testament, if you want to read Job chapter 9, only God can control the sea, and only God can walk on the waves. So the question becomes, why did Jesus send them off Knowing that he was going to walk on water, why did Jesus walk on water? And here's the best answer I could come up with. Jesus walked on water to show the disciples that the very thing they feared the most was only a staircase for him to reach them. The thing that you fear the most, brothers and sisters, is only a staircase for Jesus to come to us. Jesus is always standing above your chaos and mine. Jesus is standing above our disorder, above our confusion. And Jesus is saying to us, I'm above it. I walk on top of it. I have power over it. So you don't have to fear it. You don't have to fear it. So Jesus stands over all that causes us to. Fear. Yes, we will face trials. The question becomes: will your trials keep you from the heart of God? Will your trials come between you and God? Or will your trials press you, press you, excuse me, closer to the heart of God? Let your trials press you closer to his heart. Listen, there is one reason this story isn't titled The Day the Disciples Died by a Boating Accident, and that is the presence of Of Jesus with them his presence made all the difference but don't miss this the disciples are confused and they even are more confused when Jesus shows up because they think he's a ghost and we're told that they're frightened they're terrified fear fills them and here's what we know fear is deceptive and fear is dangerous one pastor puts it this way and please hear this he says fear can overwhelm your senses It can distort your thinking. It can kidnap your desires. It can capture your meditation so that you spend more time worrying about what could be than considering the God who is. Fear can cause you to make bad decisions in the short term and fail to make good decisions in the long run. Fear can cause you to forget what you know and lose sight of who you are. It can cause you to be demanding rather than serving. Fear can make you or can make God look small and your circumstances look large. Fear can make you seek from people what you will only get from the Lord. Fear can be the soil of your deepest questions and your biggest doubts. Your heart was wired to fear because you were designed for life shaped by the fear of God. But horizontal fear cannot be allowed to rule your heart. And he says this, if it does, it will destroy you. If you let fear rule your heart, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. And the bottom line is we all, we're either going to live by faith or we're going to live by fear. And if we live by faith, we're going to take steps of obedience to the Lord. And if we live by fear, we will be paralyzed and we'll be destroyed. Because fear paralyzes. And it wasn't that the disciples feared the storm and then Jesus showed up and all fear was gone. No, the disciples feared the storm and then Jesus showed up and their fear increased. They didn't understand what was going on. Let me just make it clear today. Jesus is... Not a security against the storms. He is security in the storms. He is security in the storms. His presence is with us. Jesus is present with us. And then number four, the last truth. Don't miss this. Jesus is peace around us. He is peace around us. Listen to verses 20 and 21. But he said to them, it is I, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Follow with me here. The miracle isn't just that Jesus walked on water. The miracle is that the God of the universe got into a boat with sinners. Don't miss that miracle. The God of the universe got into a boat with sinners. See, by walking on the water, Jesus was showing them that he was God. But by getting into their boat, he was showing them, I'm the God who's with you. I'm the God who is present with you in the midst of your storms, in the midst of your circumstances. I'm with you. I'm not distant. I'm not far off. I'm not uncaring. I am here with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And in the midst of the disciples' fear, Jesus spoke, and he said this, It is I. Do not be afraid. And if we're not careful, we miss that phrase, it is I. Really, the English translation um, it says that it is I, but it literally means I am. I am. So Jesus is saying this I am, do not be afraid. I am, meaning I am God. I am here. Do not be afraid. In this moment, when the disciples were afraid, in their moment of need, Jesus didn't draw attention to what he could do for them. He drew attention first and foremost to who he was to them I am. I'm God. Therefore, because I'm God, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear the storm. You don't have to fear whatever you're going through because I am God. And I have you right where you're supposed to be. And I will do something good in and through this storm. It is I who... Do not be afraid. What a beautiful picture of the mercy and kindness of Jesus to come to us right where we are, to comfort us in the midst of our fears, even on days where our faith is waning or even on days where our faith is non-existent. We're afraid, we're confused, we're frustrated, we're burdened, we're worried, we're anxious, we're maybe even angry. Yet Jesus comes to us in the midst of that moment, of all of those emotions, and he says, take heart, I am, do not be afraid. Do not be worried, don't be anxious, don't be afraid, I am with you. And the disciples take Jesus into their boat. If you're looking for a lesson for the day, here's the lesson. We need Jesus In our boats. Because if Jesus is in your boat, it ain't sinking. That's bad grammar, but that's great theology. If Jesus is in your boat, it ain't going to sink. It's not going to sink. If Jesus is in your boat, that boat isn't sinking. So to sum it all up, Jesus has authority over us. He's praying for us. He's present with us. He is peace around us. Just think about what we've seen in John 6 so far. We've seen Jesus in the midst of, of great pasture feed his people. So we've seen him lead his people into green pasture. And here we've seen him through, through verses 15 through 20, or 16 through 21, now lead his people into still waters. What a great shepherd he is. What a great shepherd he is. Now here's what I know. There are three categories of people here this morning. In, in, in relation to the storm, in relation to the circumstances, there are those this morning who are in here who have stayed in the boat. You are rowing. You are tired. You are dismayed. You, are, you don't understand why, how, what, but you're just rowing. And you keep rowing. And it's like, God, I'm going to I'm trust you. You said to go here. I'm going there. Again, the disciples, they they could have just let themselves go and maybe die, or they could have let the, the wind take them back to where they started from. But no, they kept rowing because Jesus said, go there. And maybe today that's us. We're in the boat, and we're just rowing. Don't stop rowing. Don't give up. Don't quit too soon. Don't quit too soon. He is up to something. Don't quit too soon. But the second type of people, listen, there are those today that you've abandoned ship. Times got difficult, the waves got too much, and you just, man, overboard. It's better to be out. If that's you today, get back in the boat. Get back in the boat. I think of the the picture in Acts where Paul is in the midst of a storm headed to Rome. And all the guys want to abandon ship. And Paul says this, if you leave, you will not survive. If you leave you won't survive what Paul was saying is this stay here lock arms and let's finish together and that would be what I would say to us this morning stay in the boat lock arms and let's finish together or a, there's a third type of person those who are dead in the water you're not just in the water you're dead in the water you're dead in your trespasses and sins is what what the, the word of God says because you don't have Jesus May today be a day of salvation, of life for you. A day where you receive the life of Jesus and you are placed in the boat with Jesus. And again, if Jesus is in your boat, it ain't gonna sink. May we understand that more and more and more today like never before. I want to close today with the words of J.I. Packer from his book, Knowing God. And may we know him more and more, even through the storms. But he says this, the true God is great, and terrible just because he's always with me and his eyes is always upon me living becomes an awesome business when you realize that you spend every moment of your life in the sight and company of an omniscient that means all-knowing and omnipotent all-powerful creator he sees us he sees us he knows us he's praying for us he's present with us he is our peace whatever we're going through today Whatever storms are in our lives, let's trust the one who is over them all. Let's trust him like never before. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand. We're going to call Brother Frank and and the musicians forward as we enter this time of invitation and consecration. Let us pray together in this moment. Oh, God, we, we seek you today. Lord, we all, again, we're either coming out of a storm, in a storm, going into one, and Lord... Storms have a way of making us doubt, making us fear, making us even abandon ship and give up. But Lord, when we give up, Lord, we're not giving up on ourselves, we're giving up on you. God, help us today not to give up on you, not to give up on what you're doing, God. You're up to something. We might not see it, we might not know it, God, but you're doing something. Even in the midst of the storm, you're at work. You're, you're seeing, you're praying, you're planning, you're coming. God, help us just to take heart today in that. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Lord, you are. You are. Father, I pray for anyone in this room or that will be that doesn't know you that today would be a day of life. Today would be a day of salvation. Today would be a day, God, of turning from darkness to light. From facing a second death to facing and experiencing a second birth, a new birth, being born again. And Lord, I pray for every child of God in this room and every storm that we're facing, God, you know. Help us all, as we just sang earlier, to trust you more and more and more and more. For you are trustworthy. Finish this time in Jesus' name